Scripture this morning is from 1 Romans 24 through 27. Therefore God gave them over to sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts, Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed for lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves due penalty for their perversions. (laughs) Lord, lay upon our hearts the truth here this morning. Lay upon my brother, your Holy Spirit, so you can speak through him, dear Lord, in power. Allow the Holy Spirit in our hearts to receive this message, dear God, and to understand its applications here in this world today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you hear me? Hello? Hear me, Tony? Man, you missed a good service Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I, I don't even know what name it is. Ash Wednesday, we. The people that were there gave their, their flesh to the Lord. And uh, uh, there have been a couple, three testimonies they've told me about that uh, the war began. The enemy began to get upset, and, and they were struggling the next few days over it. Other people said they had victory. Um, we are in Lent, okay? It doesn't mean we have Lent in our pocket. It means that we are, we are committing our flesh to the Lord Jesus Christ and asking him to teach us to repent over the things he tells us to repent of. Okay, that's what, that's what this is all about. It is supposed to end on Monday, Thursday before Good Friday with a foot washing service. I'm still trying to find out if you guys want to do a foot washing service. You do? You need another lady. Lady has to do ladies. But we're thinking about it. Monday, Thursday. We've got a couple weeks to worry about it. Um, anybody who washes my foot gets a discount. I only have one. So that wasn't funny. I said, come on, people. So think about it. I, I'm praying about it. I feel, I feel very uh, led to do it. So we'll see if it's just my flesh. Are you ready for this, guys? You're going to have to take some notes. I'm going to tell you some things today that you haven't thought about. Okay? And they'll be true. All right? Way to go, Wayne. We're, we're on our third or fourth message in Romans chapter 1. And I'm not going to get through the four verses that he read today. I'm not going to get through them. We're going to end up in James chapter 1, verse 13. 
because there's an issue we need to talk about that I don't think we as believers fully understand. We understand concepts and parts of it, but there are things that we don't understand, and we're going to talk about them today. Thank the Lord that he gives us this, this spiritual insight. Remember, the Roman church is probably about this size right here, maybe smaller. And it's people that have given their heart to the Lord, and they are one out of paganism. There is no godly, righteous existence in the, in the city of Rome before Paul preaches to them, okay? There's no righteousness. Nobody knows what's honorable and good. Marriages are in disarray. Adultery is great. Prostitution is great. Addiction to drugs, addiction to food. There are vomitoriums. There are theaters that are, that are X-rated. The libraries and the education's great. They had philosophers living there. They just, they just had a wonderful world of paganism. And that's just all there is to it. They don't, they don't really talk about how bad Rome was. Uh, we're almost as bad as Rome in America. Some of the bigger cities are worse than Rome, worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. But why is Rome wit written? It's not written as a doctrine for the church. It is written for the education of people who do, who do not understand what Christianity is, or what righteousness is. That's really what Christianity is. Living in the righteousness of Christ. So how do you as a human being live in this righteousness? The world teaches us that there are religious actions or participation in certain events that make you religious. And, and so therefore... Um, you are, you're a Christian, and that's not what makes a Christian a Christian. What makes a Christian is Christian is they experience intimacy with Jesus Christ. They, are, they meet him face to face. Every born-again Christian meets Jesus Christ face to face. On the day in the book of Acts chapter 2 when 3,000 people came to know the Lord when Peter preached his message... In Acts chapter 2, 3,000, about 3,000 came to know the Lord. Every one of them met Jesus personally. Do you understand that? And when they met Jesus, he cleansed them of his, their sin, and he gave them his righteousness by coming to live inside of them. That happened to me in South Park and Meg Avenue in Clarksburg, West Virginia in 1972, wasn't it? 72, okay. I forgot when I got saved. So um, I experienced Jesus. Guess what? I did not know what living in the righteousness of Christ was like. And so I needed to be taught. That's what's happening in Romans. Paul is teaching them how to live in righteousness. He told them who he was in the first chapter, the first part of the first chapter. He talked about um, wanting to come and see him on 
being delayed. And then he talked about the unrighteousness of God and, and then God's wrath, why he doesn't like sin. And he is trying to get them to understand that the lifestyle that they are living, God does not approve of. That's, he says, and it comes down here in verse 23, and it says, You began to worship mortal human beings, began to, to, to worship birds and animals and reptiles. Is it true they had a reptile show in here this weekend? Is it true what you said to me? Oh, okay. He said they lost some reptiles, and I thought, you're going to make that announcement, not me. <laughs> no, they didn't lose any reptiles. I guess that's why it's muddy. I don't, I don't know. So human beings in Rome, listen, were worshiping birds, things like human beings, mortal humans, animals, and reptiles. And, and they were worshiping in prostitution. Oh, friends, you've got to hear what I have to say. They had temples of prostitution where people brought their children in infancy and gave it to these temples, these, these children to these temples. Sex trafficking is nothing new. It exists now. It exists then. And the horrendous behavior that they talk about, if you read about it today, is the same thing that happened in Rome. In the Old Testament, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says nothing's new under the sun. Nothing is new under the sun. The level of spiritual bondage that is in America and the world today, just not in America, was the same spiritual bondage that was in Rome. All of it, all of Rome, comes out of a pagan worship that was in the Babylonian Empire, one of the most vulgar, paganistic worlds. Go do the research. You don't have to take my word for it. It was so bad in this Babylonian worship. Now listen, people, don't, don't, don't fade away on me talking about what you're going to have for lunch. That they had a ceremony where they made little boys and little girls commit their gender to this pagan god so that they would be anything they needed them to be. Hello? That's what happens today. Worse. And so, Paul is trying to get these pagan people to understand the depravity level in which their society has stooped to.
You think God is dead or there is no God is, is something new in philosophy? Heavens, no. It's been around since the Babylonians empire. There is no God. There is no living God. There are many gods and you can worship whoever you want to because we're intellectual and we're smart and we're intelligent. We talked about that last week. Intelligent. Intelligence is not a sign of righteousness. Intelligence is not a sign. Reason is not uh, something that declares godliness. Jesus is the only standard. Jesus Christ. If you and your behavior does not match up with the righteousness of Christ, then you're defiled in your nature. That's just all there is to it. And he's trying to get these people to realize it. Verse 24, Let's, that's the introduction. Verse 24. Therefore God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Now in this one verse, there is a transition that goes on and if you don't catch it, you're going to miss what Paul's saying. They, there must have been information that the, the Roman people had been taught that when he said this, it clicked with them. Because I've got to go to James chapter 1, verse 13, to get you to understand what this word to means. Because that's the word that transitions from sinful desires of their hearts to a behavior. Now let's go to James chapter 1, verse 13. It's back there, it's way back there in Hebrews, before Hebrews. When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me. Let me share something with you. In the book of Job, chapter 1 and 2, go back and read it. If you look at what Job is teaching... What God is teaching through Job here, one of the oldest books of the Bible, what you're going to find out is that Satan observes five areas of a human being's life. I don't have time to go into all five of them, but it has to do about what you love, what you value, what you do. It, it, it goes all, all five areas of our life where there's behavior and relationships are involved. What do you value? That's a, one of them. I could, and, and, and the thing of it is, is that Satan is such a good record keeper There are demonic forces that keep records. They're called, they're called spirits of knowledge. Okay? And the, these, these records that are kept are kept about your, your children, your records, your mother and father's records, and their records behind them. And they have kept records of our family heritage better 
Then what's that place that you go to all the time? Ancestry.com. He do a better job than Ancestry. Anybody ever been on Ancestry? Raise your hand. Oh, there's more people than that. You just don't want to say it. And, and, and they keep better, more detailed spiritual records about your behavior and what you struggle with than, than you would ever believe. Okay? And so, and so when you are tempted, when you, when, do you know, you know how hard it is to eat only one cheeseburger? Do, it is, no, because you do it, right? You eat two, right? Or three. So, so when you're tempted, he knows Mike Dean likes cheeseburgers. He knows that my family loves beef. And this, I'm being very innocent here, but I'm trying to get you to understand a concept. So God never tempts me with my weaknesses because God's goal is transformation, not degradation. God's, God's role is to transform me into the image and righteousness of Christ to the glory and honor of God and for my well-being. The enemy, the enemy tempts us for our degradation, for the destruction of mankind. Okay? He even creates opportunities for this temptation to happen. Does anybody play video games? I do. Did you know some video games... Open windows to degradation for your children like lust and violence. Just two. I'm just going to give you two. Lust and violence. And people say, oh, they're only a game. They're only cartoons. They are not. They're educational tools used by the enemy because he knows your children's personality makeup, emotional makeup, and he is wanting to bring destruction to them. <clears throat> Where do you think um, all these people who are doing these mass shootings get their education from? They don't read books. They watch video games. They watch videos. So praise God, God doesn't tempt us. God transforms us. It says there in James chapter 1, verse 13. For God cannot be tempted by evil. That, that's got to be assuring for you. God is not tempted by evil. Now let me give you an example. Somebody said to me, well, if God is so good and so holy and does not like sin... Why doesn't he kill every person that molests a child? Good question, right? Because he's God and he can't be tempted by your evil behavior. Now think about what I just said. Your behavior does not determine the judgment of God on people. It's happened at another time in another place.
If God was that way every time a, a person had a lie in their mind, he would get rid of them immediately. But he doesn't do that. Every time you think a thought about your wife that is not godly, he would get rid of you. If that kind of thinking was the way God acted, there would be no one left. So God's goal is to transform us, to transform the way we look at our wife and our husband, our children. The truth. The only reason God lets us pay taxes is to make sure we don't lie. That's the only reason. Because we're tempted to do it all the time, right? Amen. Nor does he tempt anyone. So God doesn't tempt us, right? You understand that? He didn't put that naked woman in front of your face, guys. It was not his job. Well, then how does all this happen? Verse 14, but each person is tempted when by their own evil desires they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. You got to understand something here. You have a flesh, and that's, we're, we're in Lent. We're, dying, we're supposed to die to flesh. So it is your flesh that constantly invents and looks for ways to get what it wants, your flesh wants. Remember, we have three enemies, sin, self, and Satan. Self is the flesh. And it's constantly trying to find that second cheeseburger or that third piece of chocolate cake or that video game. Did you know that when you play certain video games, it affects you emotionally? A passion inside of you is developed. Same way with pornography. It's the same way with drugs and alcohol. It develops a passion inside of you. James calls it a desire. And James not only calls it a passion, he calls it a desire, but he calls its nature evil. So when you are doing something that God says is wrong for you, and you can debate that with God, whether it's pornography, drug addiction, or alcohol addiction. I call them sins. It's evil. Why? Its purpose is to cause you to not function in the righteousness of Christ, but to function in your flesh so that you may be destroyed. That is all there is to it. And that's the way the Roman people lived. Everything they did was for the destruction of the human being. 
They didn't believe in hell. Did you know that? They had, they had got everybody to believe there was no hell. We're almost there in America. There is no hell. So if there's no hell, there's no punishment. If there's no punishment, you could do whatever you want. That's the way. And they just met a God, the God, the only God, that saved them and cleansed them from their sin. They felt the burden lift from him. And Paul is now trying to tell them. He's saying to them, there's a hell. There's a hereafter. There's hope forever and eternity. She's trying to get them to understand that. Now, you can be tempted, and what the temptation does, it drags away a person by their own evil desires and entices them. What's that mean? It, the cheeseburger's over here, Mike. Let's go to Five Guys one more time. Let's get a double cheeseburger. Let's have two double cheeseburgers. Did you know at one time when the Whoppers were big, they had a triple Whopper? I couldn't eat a double Whopper. But they had a triple Whopper, and they were selling them. There's always another man to look at. There's always another woman to look at. There's always another gun to buy. There's always another golf club to buy. There's always another dollar to make. He entices them. There is something inside of you called a desire, which is a passion to make you move towards this behavior, which separates and alienates you from God. Last week we talked about intellectual prowess and how intellectually man came to the point where he thought he knew more than God. And he has, was so arrogant in his intellectual prowess that he believed he knew more God, about God spiritually. That's what they believe. Now, it's during this time that a, a Christian fights when he's being dragged away and enticed. When the, when the evil desire is, is moving inside of you and wanting you to do something wrong. I had a football coach. I didn't like him. He was, he was just a football coach. He wasn't the main one. One time, he took three of us boys. We got permission from the principal, and we went to a... This was way back before they had those inflatable mats that you did pole vault on. You know, that you, you fall on the mat, it collapses, or they have the big foam things. That was before that. You know what they used to put down? They used to get the rubber carpet backing from these factories. There's one in West Virginia, somewhere. I don't know where we went. But we went... And he says, I'm going to take my, this is what he told me. He said, I'm going to take my ring off, put it in my pocket in case I miss, meet a secretary down here. That's, that's temptation. Do you see? He was enticed to do that because of his flesh. It's, it's true. But, verse 15, 
then after desire has grown in us, it produces sin. Fellowship's broken with you and Christ at that point. And you know it. As a Christian, you know. Paul, James is trying to teach the same thing here to the church of Aspersia that, were, that, that had been cast out over uh, Europe, that, that part of the uh, Mediterranean area. Fellowship is broken. I say that because some people don't want you to think you lose your salvation. So I say fellowship is broken. Let God deal with your broken fellowship. So the righteousness in that area of your life no longer has holy influence. You are in control. And when you're in control of those things, You will just indulge in the thing that has enticed you and trapped you and have you in bondage. Whatever it be, whether it be pornography or video games or alcohol or adultery or drug addiction, whatever it is, you don't know it, but you're trapped and the enemy has you in his ground and he will destroy you. Sorry if I'm getting too loud. I apologize. You need to understand this, people. I've been there. By the way, did you know that nobody in here has never not been hurt? Everybody has been hurt by somebody at least once in their life, if not multiple times. Did you know that? That's why, that's why we are prone in our flesh to be bitter and unforgiving. And Brianna, the ladies get to go to that. Men, you're not going to go. We need to deal with this, man. This bitterness, unforgiveness, and pain. You with me? Man, I'm not going to get through those four verses today. You all know that, don't you? I apologize. We'll have to come back to them. And eventually death. Let's go back to Romans chapter 1. Please. The problem with Christianity. I love Christianity. I love the church. I do. I love the church. I love the body of Christ. But it has some problems because... It puts together religious activities. Like you come to church in three, three or four hymns or you, you worship for a half an hour, you take up an offering and somebody tells you how to, be, uh, how to do behavior modification in a message. But you never confront the person. That's what the Roman people need. They needed to have their sin confronted. The behavior. Do you understand that if you worshiped in a temple of prostitution for 35 years 
and you thought you were worshiping the goddess Diana, and you came to know Jesus Christ, do you think all of the desires of worshiping Diana would be broken in a moment? They are not. That's what he's trying to tell them. They are not broken. The religiousness of worshiping the goddess Diana followed. Intellectualism. When you were taught the philosophical issues of the world and you intellectually embrace them because you're intelligent and you believe that they are true and you give your life to Jesus Christ or he convicts you, do you understand you are not broken from those intellectual prowesses? That's what he's saying to these people. Hey, let's face it. You love your sin. Ha. I have a, a young man doesn't live in this county. He lives in another county. I have a young man come to see me every week. You know the, the only thing we talk about? You know what this young man and I talk about? Do you hate your sin enough? Do, do you hate your sin enough to give it up? No, no, I still don't hate. Three weeks ago, he says, you know, I'm now being convicted that my sin is wrong. Do you understand how close we are to freedom for this young man? I didn't tell him. God is telling him that this is wrong. I can't tell you not to believe that God is dead. I can't tell you that, or he doesn't exist. The only one who can defend himself is Jesus Christ, the Lord God, not not me. I can tell you what he set me free from. I can tell you what he delivered me from. I can tell you how he changed and transformed my life, but he has got to convince you. And so he's trying to get the Roman people to understand the bondage they are in so that Jesus can set them free. Verse 25. Oh, by the way, he said they moved from to sexual impurity and degrading their bodies with one another. Did you know that adultery degrades your body? Did you... Did you know that pornography degrades your body? We're only talking about sexual sins right now. Did you know homosexuality degrades your body? Did you know it degrades it so bad that people die from homosexuality? But they don't print that. But people die from homosexuality. There was a man in Winchester who worked at a bank that I had business with, and he was a homosexual, and I saw him get weaker and weaker and weaker, and I'd say, how you're doing? He said, I'm not doing very good. He's dead now. Homosexuality degraded his body. Adultery degrades your body. This is tough stuff. Why? These people have lived, the the people in Rome had lived in such debauchery for so long that they needed to understand what they were dealing with. 
Verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Don't, don't run past that verse. God isn't right. What's wrong with, what's wrong with adultery? God, it's all right. I mean, God, that's a lie. God, God's just a prude. I've heard, see, people said that too. God's just a prude. He really doesn't know what love is. Our children, 50% of our children, maybe 60, but 50 to 60% of our children in high school believe that love's okay. The only, the only thing that's keeping them from participating in adultery is the fear of getting pregnant and having to go through abortion. Men and women, boys and girls alike, how do I know? I was in high school before. And I remember what the guy said in the locker room. You after that? They said it much more vulgarly than that. You after that? I ain't, I ain't touching that. We'll get in trouble. <laughs> there was no righteousness in that. You going to get high this weekend? Does anybody know what Boone's Farm is? Yes. <laughs> if, you, if you lived in Clarksburg, West Virginia, went to Victory High School, I think half the football team got drunk on Boone's Farm every weekend after the ball game. I never, I don't, I've never drank booze. The reason I didn't drink was because I was righteous. I was unsaved at that time. But I, I saw how they played and, and how much better I played without Boone's Farm. <laughs> the linebacker just in front of me, I was a sophomore, and the linebacker that was ahead of me was a, was a, a senior, and I was going to be the next year's linebacker if everything went all right, and and I was great. It was great with me because he was high before every ball game. And by the, the middle of the second quarter, I got to go in. He didn't know where the ball was. He was exhausted. I'm telling you what, people. The devil knows how to tempt the flesh. I just, I could give you example after example after example. And I'm sorry I have that information and that knowledge. And they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. What does he mean, served and worshiped created things? Human beings. Reptiles, birds, animals. That's what he's talking about. Cars now. You know, the devil, did you see the devil finally got uh, uh, gambling legalized? 
It's one of the most popular commercials. And they, you know how they justify gambling? They have this little uh, disclaimer. If you're struggling with gambling, see Gamblers Anonymous. Yeah. The last phrase in, in 25 is, who is forever to be praised, meaning the Creator. Amen. And then Paul comes up here, and we'll get into 26, 27 next week. We'll get into that. Babylonian worship. Babylonian worship. We'll talk about that. Oh, I thought you were out with the kids, Caleb. There you are, clear on the end. You're all these tall people, and I didn't see you. Would you come up, bring your... I'm sure glad you have Diane singing with you, keep you guys straight. We need a 14-year-old woman to keep the band straight, somebody said. Let's stand. Wednesday night, uh, many people were at that service, and we almost filled the church up. There was very little place to park over there. And it was really a wonderful blessing for everybody. And people gave their, their self to the Lord. If you'd like to give yourself to the Lord and, and say, I'm going to participate in uh, battling the flesh during Lent, learning to repent. And we're going to talk about it before we get to Easter. We're going to have uh, communion on Palm Sunday. And I want you to be so um, intimate with Christ that it will be a holy experience where Christ comes and meets you at communion. That happens through repentance. We'll talk more about that. You know, I talk about it all the time, don't I? Let's pray. Father God, Father God, in Jesus' name, by the power of God's Holy Spirit. As the pastor of this church, I come against the power of evil in Clark County. I stand against its sinfulness and ask that you deal with it only as you can, not the way I want to, I don't want to picket it. I don't want to politicize it. I want the Holy Spirit, Father, to please come and move through Clark County and begin to deal with drug addiction, self-abuse, adultery, lying, stealing, 
and cause an atmosphere of righteousness to begin to grow among the bodies of Christ, bodies of Christ, that the Christians yield to the Lord. If there's anybody here who wants to give their flesh to the Lord, please touch them. In Jesus' name, amen.